Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Photomind Talks podcast. We have a very special and different guest than we've had, uh, different type of guests, I would say, than we've had in the past. Uh, more specifically, uh, much younger guests than we've had in the past. And um, I guess I, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. I'll kind of let him do the talking. But uh, Tommy Dilger, thanks for joining us. Of course, thanks for having me. Yeah, so Tommy came to us um, through a different type of medium than a lot of the people who have been on this podcast. Um, we found him through TikTok, and uh, which makes sense because Tommy is a college student. And unlike many college students who you know are a little bit more interested in the now, Tommy has a deep fascination for the past and vintage things. Uh, so Tommy, why don't you tell us a little about this interest you have? All right, so... You know, I've always been like a history kid. So I guess, well, with estate sales, first off, if you don't know what an estate sale is, basically like when a family member dies and you take all the stuff out of their house, you have all this stuff left over. And like in the Midwest, for some reason, it's not a thing in the South, but in the Midwest, you'll have an estate sale where you'll open up the house and like post listings about it so people can come through and buy all that. So I've been doing that for a long, long time and well, a long, long time by like five years but um at these estate sales like i'll find old photos i'll find cameras so i found all these photos and a lot of them don't have stories attached to them so i'll try to figure out as much as i can about the family or about the person based on just the photos because i don't have anybody to ask so i just there's just something about it that's really interesting to me like being a history kid and seeing just these old photos and not knowing anything about them like i want to formulate a story behind them and i want to figure out like who they are and where they were taking and all that good stuff. So it's been like an interest of mine for such a long time. Well, so let's bring it back to your own history, right? Um, how did you get started? I guess with um, let's start with photography. Um, like I've always been interested in like film, like ever since I was a kid. So photography is like a natural kind of extension of that. Plus I found photo or I found uh, photography a little bit easier to do than film. Sure. So I started like, doing nature photography like digital with uh, my dad's DSLR and uh, one time I was at an estate sale and I saw this old camera actually it's on my shelf right there and I was like oh wow that looks really cool I, and it was like five dollars and I was like you know what yeah I'm gonna get this and I figured out like what I needed to do to actually use it there was something about like the mechanicalness of it and kind of like the simplicity because it was an, an Argus 75 so it's like uh, a simple 620 like point and shoot camera. So I shot my first roll of film. It was super expensive because I got it done through a lab and I was like hooked like instantly. And uh, I was in middle school when that happened. But when I got to high school, uh, my high school had uh, the only dark room in the school district. So I took that like to full advantage. And I took uh, photography twice and my teacher taught me everything about developing film everything about printing it in the dark room, like everything I needed to know. And ever since then, I've just been hooked. Like I built a dark room in my basement. I shoot film almost like exclusively. Like when I go on a trip, I just take film cameras. I don't really take phone photos that much. So yeah, I've just been interested in film since, yeah, and I got my first camera when I was 14. You've got to be such an outlier amongst your friends then, right? If like 
everyone's always taking pictures on their phones, right? You got like thousands of, you know, the same picture even on your phone, but here you are taking it with your, uh, your fancy old camera. Do you get like, uh, <laughs> like, how do you, how do your friends react? And I don't know, like there must be a, a slight divide between, or, or do you have like friends who are really into it also? At home, like when I was still in high school, I was like very much like an outlier. I still kind of am less so in college because I go to an art school. So that's kind of the personality. But in high school, I would like everyone was like really interested in it. Everyone wanted to know like what I was doing, what cameras I was using. Because like the cameras that I use, uh, the, like, they're less from like the later half of the 1900s and closer to like the earlier. Like I hover around like the 40s and 50s and into the 60s with cameras. So they're like, what what is that? Because sometimes they don't even look like modern cameras because they're like, I, I don't know what that is. So whenever they ask a question, it's like opening the floodgates where I just spill all of this information. They're like, oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> I imagine that's like that's like myself with like sports. Like they'll be like, oh, what did you do? I watched this game and X, Y, Z, Z, like all this stuff about it. You get really into the details of it. And they're just like, I just wanted to know if it was a film camera, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's so cool. How many cameras do you have in your collection? Oh my God. Um, total probably 200. Wow. Do you have uh, a favorite or is that kind of like a unfair question? Like an overall camera that I really, really like is the Argus C3. It was Why? actually, I have it right here. Like, I just like the look of it. They called it the brick for, you know, obvious reasons. It's a brick. It was used, um, a lot during the 1940s, it was actually America's most popular camera for like a 20 year period between the 1940s and 60s. And it was manufactured in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is not that far away from my hometown. So it's like a nice local history. And um, there's a really, really cool story of uh, a guy named Tony Vaccaro. He served in World War II when he brought his Argus C3 with him when he served. And during during that time, you had to have like written permission in order to take photos. He did not have written permission. He wanted to be a photographer. He wanted to be with the Signal Corps, but they denied him because he was too young. He was 18 when he joined. And like there was a quote that he th had because he did a documentary that I thought was really funny. He said when he asked um, his recruiting officer to do uh, to be a Signal Corps photographer, he said, no, he's too young. So he said, so I'm too young to do this but I'm old enough to do this. And he was like, yeah, very funny. Get out. So we went uh, and did infantry and he took his Argus with him unbeknownst to everyone and took all of these photos and they were unseen for decades because he was afraid of like being prosecuted because the, they were illegal to take those photos. They had to be like, the reason that you needed permission was that you didn't take photos of anything classified and you, you needed military permission. And then the sensors would go over and cut out your negatives and, then you could have your photos, but he was afraid of, you know, getting arrested. So these photos sat in his attic for years and years and years until I think the nineties when he finally published them. And it's, that's just a really cool story. So I like associate that story with the C3 with like Ann Arbor and I use it all of the time. Like I'm a world war II reenactor. So I'm always using my Argus. That's great. Is there, do you, um, do you use most of the cameras that you have or the, uh, do you have like a, you know, a collection of, let's say like rare ones that maybe they're not in the right form or something that just kind of sit on your shelf and you're kind of proud of just 
the possession of them, not even the the use of them. There are a few like that. Like I I like to keep all of my cameras as or I don't, not all, but as many of my cameras as I can in full working order. Like I like to have the option to use them. I don't really use all of them, but I like to have the option. Like there's a few that I have never used, but I just have propped up. Like I have a uh, like up on the shelf, like right above my uh, computer is like two rows of cameras. So I'm just looking at them and pointing. There's one right there that's uh, a brownie camera from the uh, 1920s. Like I've never used it, and the only reason I've held on to it is because there's a date scratched into the back. And I think it's April 11th, 1923. So I'm waiting for that day for 2023 to be like, look, it's 100 years old, and then I'll probably use it for the first time. Like there's one on a shelf behind me that's a Filmo 70, 70 DR, I think, um, a 60 millimeter motion picture camera which it just looks like a regular Filmo, but I looked on the side and it has an ABC news broadcast tag on it. So it was actually used like to record ABC news. So I use that when I do uh, Vietnam war reenacting and I portray an ABC news uh, photographer. That's so brilliant. Do you have like a, like a white whale kind of like a camera that you know it exists out there and you're dying to get your hands on it, but just haven't been able to yet. There are a few, like there's one, like I try to not like there are cameras like this are available on like eBay and like camera stores and stuff like that. But I try to find everything like like at thrift stores or like Goodwill or under the radar. Store. Yeah, like it's it's more fun to hunt for them than it is to just save up like a grand and buy a Leica. As far as like a really white whale that I would love to find is the military version of the Kodak 35 which there's really no difference other than aesthetics, but it'd just be so cool to have. Actually, there's, I have the Kodak 35 right here. Like the only difference between the military version and the civilian version, this is the civilian version, obviously, is that the, all of the silver metal parts are black and this black leatherette is um, OD green. So that's really the only difference. And it has a signal core and nameplate on the back, but I've been looking for that for so long. And I've never, ever found one. I've never even seen one in person. You just don't so I guess exist. that would be my answer. Yeah, they exist. A, they're pretty rare, awesome. but they're out there. It's so interesting to me to see all, you know, you're taking all these cameras off your shelf. And, you know, to my you know, not expert eyes at all, I see a black and a silver camera. And it's curious to see the, like how the aesthetic of cameras has changed over the years um oh, you yeah. know now you know now you see just like a whether it's just like a general dslr or whatnot you know they're chunky but they but they seem so much less mechanic than these ones that uh like mechanical than the ones that you've been showing off yeah definitely i think they're easier to understand for me because like even like later slrs in the 60s and 70s and 80s like there's something so like simple about these like i i fixed so many c3s like, I know where everything is. Like, you just peel up the leatherette. There's a screw here, 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 here. <laughs> and the whole face plate lifts off. I know the whole mechanism. It's super easy to just look at it and just understand what is going on when you take a picture. And I guess that's that's a part of, like, why I like cameras like that. I take apart, like, a DSLR or, like, and even, like, an SLR. I have no idea what I'm looking at. It's like, I will never understand this. Um, I want I want to bring it back a little bit. You know, you kind of you alluded to it uh, about how your white whale specifically, like you you like you don't want to you don't want to 
you don't want to just go to eBay. You know, you can find them there. You know, you can put a bid in for it, whatever. You want to really just kind of stumble upon it. So I want to go back to the state sales. Like, you know, you start talking about it a little bit in the beginning. Um, I want to know a little bit more about how you kind of got into that whole process and, you know, what you kind of get out of, you know, rummaging through people's, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I imagine you see everything from, uh, you know, really awesome cameras to like really, really personal photos even too, I imagine. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I got into estate sales. The first one I went to was, uh, my grandma took me to it again when I was 14 and I bought my first film camera there. But I guess I like um, estate sales more because like garage sales are stuff that people want to get rid of. Estate sales are full of things that they didn't want to get rid of. They held on to the end and then their kids are like, ah, we don't need this. So there's there seems to be like better stuff at estate sales. And it is really interesting to go into like someone's house, like after they're gone and kind of piece together like what they did and like who they were as people. And I think that's really interesting, especially when I like am able to get back into contact with the original family, because I found it was like two years now. Yeah, I was still in high school. I found this giant case of slides and I ended up scanning all of them. They were from mostly the 50s and 60s. And I got into contact with the family again and I showed them the photos and I had I met them for dinner and had a conversation with them and talked about their it was it was the guy's uh, father whose photos I found and it was really interesting to see like how much I knew about them from scanning like their old photos because I would be like oh you guys went here and you did this and like I could see the different members of the family some of them were named I had some names I had some pictures of the guy when he was a kid which was really really cool so it's just piecing together our lives like that is like really interesting. How do, how did the family react? Uh, you know, knowing that you kind of had gone through their photos, but also at the same time, it wasn't as much, uh, you know, diving into their lives as it was kind of bringing their lives back to life. You know, we talk about it at PhotoMine a lot when it comes to scanning photos and slides and negatives, but uh, you know, how did, how did this family react to it? They were super thankful. Like they didn't even know that these photos existed. Because like they'll have ex like external companies come in and do these sales and they're like instructed to take out any like photos or like personal things. But that doesn't always happen. And a lot of them end up being sold. So whenever I find some like that, I'm like, oh, I need to get that because like who, who else is going to get it? And right. I feel like which can be a little like detrimental sometimes because like, oh, this is like $50 I'm about to spend on this. But I have to because who else is going to do it? But um like the company just took it out, threw it on the floor and sold it. And they didn't even know that those photos were there. So it actually, oh, what did he say? He said something like, like you gave a piece of my father back to me. Cause he, he had like kind of a strange, a strained relationship with his father. So seeing the, like having these photos of him when he was a kid with his father, he was like, like he gave a little piece of him back. And I thought that was like, that was really sweet. And I'm so glad I was able to do that. That is really sweet. Was this the first time you've uh, done something like this or have you also, you've done this in the past where you've kind of, you know, discovered some photos, whether it's through slides or some other medium and kind of brought them back to the family? Or like I said, like, is this really just kind of a one-off thing where, you know, you found, you, you found a way to get in touch with them and it, it became this kind of special moment. I've done this a few times, like probably about four or five times that this has happened. And I'm still working on, 
more sales right now because I have two. Actually, I just went to one this past weekend when I bought this massive box of slides. So I'm definitely going to be scanning all those and going back to that family. But this has happened a few times. And for state sales, it's easier because I go to the house and I know what house it is and where it is. But there was one I went to uh, an antique store when I was uh, in school in Savannah. And I found this case of film reels. And there were about six, eight millimeter film reels. And I ended up scanning them all. And all I had to go off of was a name and a location, which they had like, uh, his name was Bob Irkfitz. It said Bob Irkfitz um, confirmation 1957 or 1947 in Rogers City, Michigan. That's all I knew. So I went, I was looking at the Irkfitz family in Rogers City. I found some graves. I was looking on like Facebook and I finally found a Bob Irkfitz and I sent him a message and I was like, hey, this is kind of weird, but is this your family? Do you know any of these people? Did they live in Rogers City, Michigan? He said, yes, that's me. So I was able to just go off of that, which it was kind of funny that I found a film case in Savannah of Rogers City, Michigan, like in my home state. And I was still able to find the guy who did not live in Michigan anymore. But yeah, that was a really cool thing. Cause I, I kind of, kind of proud of myself for that. Cause I barely had anything to go off of. And I still found it um, over the summer. I found like another big lot of slides. And I ended up scanning them all. And um, I found some photos of the couple naked. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> so when I finally got back in contact with the, with, their daughter i was like hey i found these but i don't think you want them and she was like yeah i i don't want those take those two out and i was like okay <laughs> but she was really thankful for the rest of it because she was she was really close with her dad and she also didn't know that those photos existed he actually was like an amateur filmmaker which i thought was super super cool because he made a film like covering the birth of his first daughter cool. and like they had like professional title cards and it was all cut together and it, it was her. She didn't even know that it existed. So to give that back to her, she was like, oh, my God, that is amazing. Yeah, it's really it's really cool to hear these stories. In the past, we um, we had a, a user who inherited a bunch of uh, like a, a suit, literally a suitcase of photos from her uh, from her husband's family. And um, and the family member whose photos they were took like amazing notes on the back. And sometimes they mm. would be just like a name. Sometimes it would just be a place. But basically, she made it like a mission of hers to track down the people or the families of these people in the photos. And most of these photos are like early 1900s. I'm talking 1910s, maybe 1920s. And oh, wow. um, yeah, I mean, like some, you know, out west, like uh, like wild, wild west type of uh, Oregon Trail almost type of uh, photos. And she like really she put a lot of effort into trying to track down the relatives of these people so she could send them the photos. Uh, and it's cool to hear that, you know, she's not the only one who does this, that there are other people and not only other people, but people who are, you know, still in college that are doing this is not something that you hear every day. And that's, I mean, it, it's really, really great. And I, I think, um, it's cool to see how clearly not only are you gaining like, uh, oh, I love photos and I like going through this type of stuff or finding old cameras and finding old things, whatever it is but that you also have this connection to and, and like an, a, an understanding of like, this is somebody's life. And if I can connect, reconnect them with this part of their life, then uh, that's something that, you know, they won't be able to get back. And also 
and and it's it's awesome to see that kind of uh the joy that people have in that type of thing it's awesome um kudos to you honestly to really put in that effort because that's not something that everyone would do yeah it uh, it takes a while like these big <laughs> film lots and i actually donated this past weekend or this past week i donated that c3 that i found to the argus museum in ann arbor because the photos that I found on that role ended up being of uh, Richard Nixon dedicating the high school that I graduated from in the 1970s. Cool. So I'm glad that's going to be like on public display for people to see, which is super cool to me. It seems like you have a way of having these like small little personal connections to things that you're kind of finding along the way. Oh, yeah. Like I, when I first found it, the only reason I knew what it was is because my my uncle, my mother and my grandparents had been there on that day. And when I scanned uh, my grandmother's old slides a while ago, there were some photos of it. And there was a photo of the helicopter landing on the football field. So when I went and I developed it, I was looking at the. I thought it was like a like a ceiling fan blade. I was looking. I was like, what is that? And I, like, I was like, oh, that's a helicopter. It's yeah, Marine I was one. like, yeah, <laughs> I saw that. And I was like, it's a helicopter. It's Marine One. And as I wow. went through the more, I was like, oh, my God, this is Eisenhower. I just graduated from here because when I developed it, I, I was just out of high school. So I was like, oh, my God, I just graduated from here. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're going through these estate sales. Talk to me a little bit about the process of, you know, like what you're what you're looking for, um, you know, what you're feeling almost as you're going through it. I start with like there's a website that you can go to and put your zip code in and it'll tell you all the estate sales around you. And in my experience, those are, it's a pretty good way to gauge if you want to go or not. Cause sometimes I'll drive like way out, like 45 minutes, even to it's probably the furthest I've driven for one. But if it looks really good in the photos, it's like, all right, I have to, cause they'll show some general stuff and then some general photos. And sometimes you can pick things out in the background, but you can't, you can get like a general feel for it. But when you get there and like, you kind of know where things are, but you want to go through the house kind of methodically, which at least is, which is what I do. Um, when you're walking through, like you can kind of get a feel for like what kind of people they were, because there's a lot of, uh, estate sales where for some reason they got rid of all their old stuff. So everything that they have is just like new furniture. And then like the odd, like old thing here and there, it's like, oh, come on, you got rid of all the old stuff. So those aren't those in my experience, like aren't as good, but older houses like older looking houses houses built in there's a lot of houses around here from like uh 50s and 60s so those mid-century modern type houses generally have like pretty pretty good stuff and they kind of held on to their stuff um you're just looking for like little things that stick out because like you know like when you like have like a like experience with cameras and old photos like you know kind of what to look for so like it, someone will look at a box and be like, oh, it's a it's a box of junk. But you can look in there and see like the corner or something. And I think that's a film can and dig it out. It's a film can. Or you can see like Kodak has like a very specific like shade of yellow. So like you're looking somewhere and there's some boxes and then like, like there's a yellow box and you can look and be like, that's a Kodak box. And grab it. It's a Kodak box. So things like that. Like you just see these little things that you can pick out and instantly know what it is. Is there anything you think... Uh other young people could gain from this type of experience. And, and when I say this type of experience, I mean, uh, you know, discovering and looking for, whether it's looking for old vintage cameras or vintage, I don't know, scarves or purses even. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter the item, but uh, like what, what do you think that they can gain from just kind of 
going like walking around an estate sale even there's especially at the school that i go to there's a big culture in like my generation around thrifting things and not buying things new so going through estate sales like that is a great is just great for like repurposing things and reusing this old stuff that would otherwise go in the trash is like great in my opinion because like even the shirt i'm wearing i found this shirt at an estate sale a lot of my wardrobe is made up of thrifted stuff and a lot of people I know and my friends' wardrobes are made up of thrifted stuff. So that's one thing that I think is really great. And also like continuing, like, like still using these old things. Cause like it's, it's old, it's like traditional to say, but like, they don't make it like they used to, but they didn't. It's true. Like it's, it is true. These things outlived the people who used them. So continuing their use is just interesting. And I, I don't know. I just like it. Have you ever gotten any interesting or noteworthy reactions from people who, uh, I mean, within the communities, I'm sure that there's plenty of people who are, you know, happy to, uh, you know, to communicate, talk about similar things or ideas, but have you ever had anyone kind of reach out or even just comment on a video who like kind of expressed like, uh, almost like shock at how much interest they had in it or how interesting something that you posted was. Yeah. Like there's a lot. Um, I haven't really posted it on my uh, TikTok and my Instagram yet. It's a 16 millimeter reel of film. That is, it was called um, like the times and happenings of uh, Shel- not Shelby township, Mount Clemens. It was like the, the happenings of Mount Clemens, Michigan of the year 1933 which is like my hometown. So when I posted that, I have a, I have a couple YouTube channels that I have one where I just post like gently, like whatever I want. And then the other one is kind of dedicated to posting archive footage. So I posted that there and I had some people in the comments like, Oh my God, I'm also from here. This is amazing. It's so cool to see this. So yeah, things like that. And there was, um, I don't know whatever happened to this person. And I hate that. I didn't like, find a way to get more in contact with them but they commented on one of my videos um i found this massive lot of uh, motion picture footage at, an, at a an antique store and i didn't have any names i had nothing to go off of so i've been posting this stuff for probably like four months at this point when someone leaves a comment and it says hey can you message me i think that's my dad and i was like oh my god so i was messaging them back and forth and they were like yeah this was my dad's name he was a lot of it was military footage. Actually, I might be donating some of that footage to the Armor Museum at Fort Benning, Georgia, because it has some really cool and unique footage of the M50 Antos, which is a tank that had uh, four uh, guns on it. He was in uh, the Marines for these years. He was stationed here, here and here. Uh, I was born this year and we did this and we went camping in Alaska and all of that like checked out because I had footage of almost all of it. And I was like, yeah, I've, I have footage from here. There's a lot of footage of Marine Corps stuff. There's a camping trip in Alaska. I have all of this. And then they just stopped responding. And I messaged them back like six times in a row. Be like, hey, is this your dad? Hey, can I have some pictures? Hey, do you want to do you still want to get into contact? And they just went dead. So well, I have no idea what happened to that person. Maybe they'll see this interview. You know, they'll hear it. They'll see it. And they'll be uh they'll be motivated to reach out again. That's all we can hope for, right? Oh, I really hope so. Cause I would love for this person to see all of the footage. Cause that's, that's probably so the, cool. my most favorite lot of film that I've 
that I've ever found. Like it's had some really, really cool footage in it. Well, is it your favorite one? Because what the last thing I really want to ask you about is a specific lot of footage that you dealt with and is uh-huh. a big project you have coming up. Uh, and I was hoping you could talk a little about the uh, this documentary that you're working on. Yeah. So um, actually, the way that I met, this is about a, a Vietnam veteran that I'm friends with. I met him on the set of a different documentary that I was working on. <laughs> Uh, that I was an actor on, which comes out in June. It's called the uh, it's called Detroit, the city of hot rods and muscle cars. So if that's interesting, look it up. But anyway, I was on the set of that uh, as an actor and I met this Vietnam veteran and he was telling me about like his experiences because, you know, I reenact. So I was super interested in what he was doing. And I was wearing a Vietnam uniform at the time. So I had I was wearing basically exactly what he wore, because when he stepped out, he was like, oh, my God, you look like the real deal, which was a great compliment to get from him. But uh, as we were talking, he was telling me about how he took all these these photos and he took all this Super 8 footage while he was in Vietnam. And he said, uh, oh, I took a whole bunch of these reels of Super 8 film, but I put them in my attic. I've never seen them. And I was like, are you serious? Like can you give them to me? I can scan them. I really want to see this footage and I really want to show you, especially because you've never seen them before. And he ended up like we exchanged information. He sent me the film. He sent me his photo album. He even recorded some uh, reel to reel audio tape. And I've scanned all of this footage, this audio, these photos, and I've been compiling them into a documentary about his time in Vietnam. I interviewed him. He took like, a hundred rolls of film, which is crazy, but he had them numbered so I could go through them in order. So I would ask him, what do you remember about this? What do you remember about being at Benoit Air Base? What do you remember about uh, Vong Tao? And he would tell me like these stories that he remembered. And then I would put my laptop on his lap and say, this is footage from what I just asked you about. And he would watch it and be like, oh, I remember that. And there were a lot of things that he did not remember. They remembered for the first time, which was really, really cool to see his reactions to these um, so I've been working on that for about six to eight months now, and I'm hoping to have it ready early in 2023, but I'm still going through it. I still need to meet up with him and get some more of his stuff. It, it's great talking to him. Like His name is Skip Liberty. The film is going to be is called uh, Skip Liberty Shooting in Vietnam. So it's something that I've, I've just been pouring my heart into it for a while, and I'm really excited to see what is going to come of it. Well, I'm definitely excited also. You're going to have to share it with me when uh, once it finally comes out, because we're going to definitely have to see something. Maybe we can check back in with you to see, uh, you know, once it comes out and see where you're at and how you're feeling about it then, too. Oh, definitely. Well, I think uh, any any last words for us? I think, you know, I mean, I know you have plenty coming up with us. You know, I know we have a lot of... uh, a, bu- a bunch of videos we're working on together down the road. Any, uh, you want to plug your, uh, your social media, uh, handles and all that. Yeah. Like you can follow me on TikTok, obviously, uh, TPD underscore photos. It's the same for Instagram. My YouTube is TPD productions. Everything I have is like TPD. It's my initials. So there's, <laughs> you know, YouTube TPD archive. I post my archive footage there. Yeah. That's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us and talking, sharing all this stuff. It's really, really interesting. And it's honestly, the the, the thing that's so cool for me is it's so, it's so interesting to see somebody so passionate about uh, 
you know, this thing that, I mean, that predates you by 90 years in a lot of ways. And that not only does it predate you and are you interested in it, you are a wealth of knowledge and, and like passionate about sharing it. And that is so delightful sitting on this side of the camera. I don't know what to say, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but anyways, um, I think I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thanks so much for watching or for listening. We'll see you next time on the Photo Mind Talks podcast. Thanks.